Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod, episode 281 for October 30th, 2019. Today's guest is musical duo Beloved Binge, and I am your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 14 years, over 14 years. Hello. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search for MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me and my books and my album and my shows and my songs and zines, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up everywhere on social media as at MichaelHeron or you can just email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. Hey, what is happening? I can't even... Oh, Friday was the word I was trying to write here. I make notes to myself what I want to talk about, and I I didn't. I'm just going to have to wing it. That's okay. That's okay. I think I got this. So this Friday and Saturday, I have a show coming up. It's called the... It's called Animal Story, and I'm telling other people's stories for a change. It's part of the Compassion Arts Festival, and it sort of happened... It's been being planned, and we had some snags along the way, so it's changed to a couple of different things, and now it's this really cool piece directed by my friend Emery Schneider and um, there's some original music by me that I just wrote for the show we're having some cool projections and I'm telling other people's stories uh, animal rescuers that type of thing come see it I'll put a link in mikeypod.com uh, in the show notes for this episode um, also coming up a show December 11th my recurring show the benevolent people's hour of story and song. I have to learn the title better than that. Um, It's going to be pretty cool. I just signed on another guest artist. There's several guest artists. I'll tell you more details later. I'm writing a brand new piece for it. Crossing my fingers, I'm going to have it together to have a whole kind of magical thing connected. I don't want to talk about all of it, but I'm kind of learning how to combine all the different things that I do into one thing. So it's like a publication, performance, music, uh, thing that hopefully hopefully I'm going to get it all together in time. Um, and I'll tell you more about that, especially if it looks like it's really going to happen. That's going to be at Judson Memorial Church on January 11th. Um, other than that, I, I, I've been feeling this urge. Well, a couple of things. This interview, one of the things that happened during the interview was that I was trying to give away my couch during the thing. And you know those Facebook... Um, what do you call it? The, the, the Facebook marketplace. And I was just giving it away for free because I got it for free and it's been replaced by another couch that I got for free from Marianne Sullivan, PS, from Our Hen House, the podcast I helped to produce, um, ourhenhouse.org. But I wanted to just give it away. So uh, someone was coming to get it and they were going to come later. And so it wound up that they were calling me and showing up and all these different things were happening during this interview with Beloved Binge. And we got interrupted three times. I and I was feeling a little funny, and I think this is partly why I was holding off on publishing this podcast, because it feels very um, amateurish. But, you know, like when I was listening to it today and editing it, it made me realize like, oh, this is a podcast. I've been doing this since back like two, 2006, when it was all scrappy, and we were all figuring this stuff out. And I should just embrace that. <laughs> You know, like like Beloved Binge are wonderful people and they're, they have a very indie, scrappy, we put this together feel. They're on tour right now. They're amazing activists and musicians. And it's fun. I love that. I love like that feeling of we're making an album. Let's make this. Like, let's just do it. And I'm working on a project with my friend Lauren Mall, who you heard on the podcast and 
that's another one of those things that she inspires me also to be like, no, let's make this song. So we're working on a cover that has also been on the back burner. I've been struggling with a lot of this stuff. And I'm going to talk about some of that at the end of the show. So I want to do more reflecting and more like sort of talking about my own process in the show. But I still want these podcasts to be about the artists. So I'm going to do I'm going to start talking a little more at the end of the show because I it seems strange to go on and on about myself in the beginning when the whole idea is that I'm sharing other artists with you. What do you think of that? Will you let me know? MikeyPod.com, MikeyPod at gmail.com or all the different ways you can contact me. I would really love to know what you think. Like I can look at this whole podcast as like, ah, no one listens. No, no, no. This is that. I can't stay consistent with it. Or like, oh, this is this cool project I do. I would love for it to be regular. I'm not at a place in my life to be able to do that yet. But I can do it when I can do it. And I talk to really good people and I have these conversations that I really love sharing. And and I have this little scrappy group of listeners that's been here since the beginning. So, yay. Like, that's really lovely to sort of connect with that. So with that said, we should get on to the interview uh, with one last little mention. I want to sh- give a shout out to my patrons on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. This show exists because of them. All the things I do exist because of Patreon. They're, they, uh, the, there are people that subscribe to my work, and it makes it possible for me to pay for web hosting, to do my show at Judson, and let it just be a fundraiser for Judson. And it's really a beautiful thing. Uh, they get bonus content, zines, um, downloads, discount on my web store, and Ugh, all kinds of stuff like behind the scenes talk it's super cool so if you're into something like that go to michael uh, sorry excuse me patreon.com slash michael heron and you can support the show and my ongoing work i have some big stuff coming up that is really going to require um the community and the world to come through i'm applying for grants and uh yeah so anyway that's everything let's go on to the interview i'm excited for you to meet beloved binge and we're going to start with their song departures one from their latest album Your moon's past midnight 
That was Departures from Beloved Binge. And joining me now are Eleni and Rob from Beloved Binge. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks we're, for having us. We're happy to be here. Yay! All right. <laughs> so let's talk about, you You have a new album that is uh, coming out very soon, October 11th. Actually, it's probably coming out a couple days before this podcast does. So um, it will, we're, we're speaking to you from the past. Um, but so <laughs> let's talk about what the band is. Can you tell me about Beloved Binge? Yeah, so um, Beloved Binge is mostly a two-piece that uh, was born in Seattle around 2002. And apologies for the noise, a lot of construction going on here in Philly. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, so we've been a band uh, for just about enough time for a band to be an adolescent. And um, we have a person joining us on bass for a mini tour coming up who recorded our album. We call him 48 Track Mac. Um, So we'll be a trio for a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we, we're, uh, we call ourselves, we play what we call misfit pop or pop for misfits, um, used to call it uh, rubble pop in a punk pot with a hint of Greek village mountain uprising. Um, <laughs> it was a little long, so we, you know, we shortened it misfit. And, and Matt is actually on the departures one that video you that you, yeah. Oh, yeah. perfect. I love a long name. I gotta say, I like things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the song Departures One, will you uh, tell me about it? Yeah. Um, one day last year, I think Rob was playing this riff and he was getting ready to go to North Carolina for a month to work on a house, one of the houses that we had lived in to sell. Um, and something about the chords were so sad uh, that I was just kind of tearing up, you know, thinking about him leaving. Um, and, and so but the song just kind of sat. We didn't do anything with it. And then our dog, who um, lived until a little bit after 17 years, um, she was a Husky Shepherd, Seba. Um, she just died uh, this last March. And so um, we decided to uh, finish that song and, and dedicated it to her life, not only her life, but just basically to anybody who's ever loved and lost um, what we call, you know, fur face um, uh. and sort of recognizing, you know, how close uh, our That's animal companions far. are. Yeah, what's that? Oh, and how special they are, really, part of the family. Yeah, definitely, definitely part of the family. We've had her pretty much our whole relationship, so it's very strange to uh, not have kind of like our, I guess, our child uh, here uh, with us anymore. Uh, uh, I'm so sorry about the loss, of course. Um, Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have, there's, yeah, uh, songs about animal companions. You know, I have a song that's similar and um, I, it, it's a interesting way to like connect. Did did you have any kind of experience like that? Like like uh, connecting with with your your missing friend through the music? Was it? What was that like? Yeah, yeah totally. And I I'd love to hear about yours too. Um, wh- yeah. So she basically we <laughs> even uh, during practice a couple of days ago we were both tearing up. Uh, we're gonna have to pull it together for the show uh, <laughs> and for the tour. But um, it's it's hard not to play it and and connect uh, mm-hmm. with her because um, you know the song you know basically kind of describes you know didn't we laugh and chase ideas? We that's what we do with our our friend, you know, our animal companions, um, you're not describing sort of like speaking a language to one another that's uh, like, you know, English or Mandarin, but you're, uh, you're speaking this other language with them and uh, playing together, having fun. And um, we even included a song at the end that we used to sing to her to make her kind of walk faster. And she would just get a pep in her step and, and, and go, she always had a lot of energy. And um, 
And coincidentally, she was um, she was vegan except for when she dumpster dove. Um, she was vegan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, and, and did, yeah, did, did well on it. People often wonder about that, but with, with dogs, it's very easy to, um, we used uh, nature's recipe kibble, vegetarian kibble, and then we gave her, you know, vegetables and things like that when she, for snacks. So, um, I think that, and a lot of exercise and playing, uh, is the key to longevity plus some luck chemically and genetically probably. Um, uh-huh. But but yeah, what was the name of your song that was about companion animals? Oh, I love the moment that I had uh, for a second. I was like, uh, I don't know. It's called um, <laughs> it's called Home Again, and and it's about um, my dog. When I was in middle school, I had this little dog named Corky. Who, um, yeah, very like a ah uh, yeah. It's one of those things. And I had the same experience when I was rehearsing the song, and it was in my show, the animal show, and you know, trying to sing the song. After, like, in the show, there's a story about how this this was my friend that went middle school and I was a weird little closeted gay kid. This was, like, my connection. So the story about losing her and then singing a song about it was, it's rough. But, like, it's also, like, I think people like that, you know, when you're really connected with the music you're you're singing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's authentic. It, it means something. And I think a lot of people can relate to that that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about veganism because you guys mentioned it and um, that's how we're all connected, like through just vegan, the vegan world. Um, How does how does all of that intersect for you with your music? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We kind of started out right out of the gate with our first self-titled album, Beloved Binge, with a song called Why Vegan? Um, And uh, I remember for that one, a high school student kind of randomly contacted us and she made sort of a cut animation video to, to go along with it. But um, but but yeah, I think definitely veganism intersects with a lot of the um, songwriting and, and the things that we do. Um, and because like you and like most vegans, we're whole people. We write about a range of other topics as well. And I you know, and I think that, you know, makes it interesting because people can kind of relate to um other parts of you besides the the one part, like the vegan part. Um, but definitely, um, you know, we would bring, uh, you know, vegan outreach flyers to our shows and just, you know, mention, uh, you know, asking people to, you know, please consider substituting animals with, uh, you know, beyond meat and things like that. Um, in, in this particular album, it was interesting because we, have never really invested in stock, but we saw that Beyond Meat was going public and um, we got in a little bit late, but not too late. It was around $72 a share or something. And it had started, I think, 20 something and then 40 something. Um, And so the money, we put very little into it, but we ended up being able to finance our band promotions, you know, college radio promotions and that kind of thing with the money from Beyond Meat. So Beyond Meat essentially (laughs) paid for our promotions that otherwise... So we're calling them our label. Yeah, yeah, Beyond Meat's our our, our label. Oh, that's Um, awesome. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's kind of cool that, you know, we're able to support them and vice versa. Um, but yeah, so, so I think veganism definitely uh, comes into pretty much everything that we do. Um, but we also have, you know, songs that are kind of about the themes, like there's another song I think you're going to be playing on this, this set that, um, that speaks a little bit to that, but, um, but yeah, anything else Robbie that I missed? Used to tour with... Oh, yeah. Well, I used to tour with Vegan Outreach. I would go to a lot of different colleges throughout the U.S. and uh, promote, you know, veganism. 
you would hand out. I think you. I did the adopt a college program. program. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have somebody from uh, VO staying with us, I think, in a couple weeks, too. Oh, I don't know anything about that. What did you say? Adopt a college? Yeah, yeah. They have a, a program where people go and basically you can adopt your college and hand out um, leaflets to students uh, since that's such a great audience where they're, you know, kind of debating ideas and thinking about things. So they target colleges. And so this program has been going on um, probably about 15 years. I'm not sure if that's the right number, but a long time. And during one of our tours, when I toured with a documentary that I made called Seeing Through the Fence, which was, you know, about um, our relationship to animals and why we eat them. Um, so I toured at 100 colleges and also Rob leafleted at those colleges with uh, vegan outreach. So um, and we played shows with our band. So we kind of combined everything and lived on the road for about a year with yeah. our dog, Seba. <laughs> yeah, and our Westphalia camper van, which we don't have anymore. Which we sold, thank goodness. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> broke down all the time. I love I love the way you guys find to to piece all of these things together. Um you mentioned uh, a song uh, is it am I right the fifth is the song that you were referring to that relates to uh to some of this? Yeah, so the the one I was thinking of um is uh, New West that relates to kind of the relationship between, uh, you know, the op- oppression basically of people and animals. Um, the fifth is a, a song that is kind of about activism in particular for animals. Um, and Which is off the Never the End album. Yeah, which is off our previous album. Um, but yeah, I'd love to talk about that too. Let's uh, let's do, oh gosh, look, I'm like, wait, which one? You know what? Let's do New West because <laughs> that's the one you were referring to. Um, sure. And then... Um, well, let's 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 talk about New West and then I'll play it. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's this uh, basically with this song, it's um, I, I find the idea of borders and prisons and things like that and um, factory farming sort of uh, basically trying to control other bodies that aren't ours, mm. uh, you know, sort of like a thematic element. Um, and one of the things I was struck by recently, there's a really good book about the great migration of African-Americans from the South to the North. And um, it's called The Warmth of Other Suns. And the author, Isabella Wilkerson, Wilkerson, sorry, um, she wrote about she was writing about Jim Crow and how, you know, these rules kept people of color out. But they also enclosed people, you know, like white people. Um, you know, by creating these borders, you're also creating your own prison kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that idea very interesting. And I was kind of comparing it to, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, going to my yard and not letting other people in my yard if I was mad at them or something. And the kids were mean in my defense. But um, but anyway, um, so you're fenced in and you're stuck there <laughs> by yourself. And so all of our policies around the border and policing bodies and um, kind of like the new slavery with our mass incarceration of bodies of color and things like that. You know, I think that there's a connection, you know, behind that of, of what's being done. And so this song is kind of like, you know, asking people to kind of please, you know, move beyond that. And um, I also include, you know, factory farms, confinement of, you know, non-human uh, beings uh, behind, behind bars um, as part of that. So I think this oppression engine essentially is easy to ignore when we can't see it or if we're not personally involved. Um, but, but this, this song is a call to hope basically let's, you know, in this idea of manifest destiny, uh, expansion of our consciousness instead of this sort of literal taking of land.
New West from Beloved Binge, and um, they're here with me on the podcast. So you all have a, a, a way and an interest in involving your creative work with your active activist work. What drew you to that? I mean, I guess there's an obvious answer to that, um, but I, maybe maybe some details about how that combination happened. For yeah, you no, it's a, that's an interesting question. Um, there, there's a piece that I've been trying to work on uh, called spoons full of sugar. Uh, Mary Poppins was right. And it, it has to do with how we approach wanting to create change. And 
so I think a lot of what I've always come from is this sense of, um, I, you know, I figured out recently, at least for me, my, my uh, mantra was kind of fun. And so fun, meaning the opposite of suffering, not causing suffering, but also having a good time. And so thinking through how we've, you know, not we, everyone, but just how activism has kind of evolved into, um, you know, I think it was somebody in Norway that said something about their political group where it should be 90% social events and 10% real work. Mm. Um, and I think that keeps people engaged. So when I think about, you know, activism, I want to do something that's going to be also enjoyable as well as delivering information that might be unpleasant. And so, um, and I think you and I had talked about comments before that, um, that uh, that was another thing we toured with a short 30 minute film where Rob and I acted out very ridiculously comments from three articles about vegan mayonnaise and in particularly following the lawsuit by Hellman's against just Mayo saying they couldn't call their mayonnaise mayonnaise and you know, that kind of thing because it didn't have eggs. Um, right. And so it had a lot of humor and people seemed to enjoy the, the play um, because most of the time when we comment on social media, we, usually in person aren't as mean as we are in our comments. So, um, so right there, you have kind of a little bit of a humorous aspect. And the idea is that, you know, by sort of like creating this conversation or, you know, laughing at ourselves, can we have a conversation? And I think um, that's kind of where I've always come from, from when I was a kid to, to now is wanting to bridge gaps between people and not, you know, not essentially have wars. Um, mm. But um that said, I have a terrible temper, as Rob can attest. Uh -oh. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but, but there's, yeah. There's other aspects that are great, so yeah. it evens out. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about another one of your songs. Can you guys tell me about The Fifth? Yeah, yeah. The Fifth is something we wrote um, for our last album called Never the End. And um, I don't know if you've experienced this as an artist, but when we were um, recording Never the End and putting that out, we didn't really, um, you know, promote it very much. We kind of thought we were a little tired of being, uh, I think, a band with everything that goes along with it. Quite a lot of work uh, for sometimes a little bit of return. And so we were a little burnt out. And so the name itself was kind of maybe referring to that a little as well. It might just be the end. Um but uh, of course it wasn't. And um, but the 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 song called the fifth, um, the line that I think kind of sums it up. It's uh, basically it's easy to stand when everyone's standing. Nice to demand what everyone's demanding. But will you ascend when your friends are landing? How high? So kind of speaking to, you know, if everyone else is is um, passionate about um, a certain cause or something like that, of course, it's going to be a little easier to, to join them. If you're kind of the odd one out, which often has been the case with animal rights, it's been a little bit hard, harder of an argument to make. Um, and, and people are a little more intimidated to, to stand up for animals uh, for fear of appearing uh, extreme or, or what have you based on stereotypes. Um, and so I feel like that when you are an activist on behalf of animals or an advocate for animals, you are um, pretty strong. Um, you, you have to be a little bit strong to um, do something that's not necessarily, um, you know, accepted by a lot of people. And I, I think there was a study that came out somewhat recently talking about the public's perception of, say, the word vegan. And I think um, the only thing that was, quote unquote, lower, which this is a whole other issue of how we see and stigmatize people who use drugs. But 
um, somebody who's addicted to drugs is, was kind of the only thing that people saw as, as, as I guess worse than being vegan. But, um, so I think we're dealing with that as, as advocates and as activists, um, you know, kind of how to, I guess, normalize or, or mainstream sort of the idea that we shouldn't use animals, um, in a way that's going to be, you know, receptive for people. So the fifth is kind of, um, an ode to people who stand up when not a lot of people are standing around you. So many of the things we're talking about, because of, like I mentioned before, I'm in this sort of weird, like, oh, oh the part of what's happening, you know, the Kaporos, I'm sure you're familiar with it. We probably have talked about it together. Um, the the um, chicken swinging ritual and um, oh, the, I saw I saw some posts about that. Yeah, it's going on right now. This is the first year for a while that I haven't. I really have chosen for like oh, like mental health reasons not to get involved um, because it's really. I mean, I feel I feel awful saying it because I'm staying away this year. It's traumatizing. It's really really traumatizing to go. It's, it's a uh. horrific thing to witness, and it's everywhere the smell and the screaming of the chickens and it's oh. horrific but that now i'm dealing with like okay i'm taking care of myself but oh look here are posts from all of my activist uh. friends who are there <laughs> in the trenches of this thing and it's another level of like oh no this feels really awful too you know like uh-huh. and but yeah. the thing but the only thing we are asking for is please just stop hurting animals like that's it. Well, like, right, right, right. It, it, it's not something terrible. It's actually a very kind request uh, that I think most people would get behind if they put their defenses maybe down a little bit, because most people, I think 99% of people care, you know, uh, about not causing suffering. But but to go out there and, and protest in that way is is very difficult. And And I think, you know, secondary trauma is a real thing where, you know, you can, as an advocate, you know, be traumatized by what you've seen and, and also feel the need to constantly be out there when I don't think that's healthy for you or the animals either to, to, to address everything. Um, and, and I understand what you're saying because when it's kind of more immediate and it's something that you're seeing in your city or close to you, you do feel more of a need to, a need to act right away. Um, whereas something like, you know, factory farming when there's a farm out in Iowa or somewhere, you know, it's, it's a little bit, uh, where these things are, are essentially happening all the time, it, you know, it's a different thing. But um, I feel that way when I walk past this small corner store that sells live birds and I go by mm -hmm. there and I hear them crying and uh, oh, I hate passing by there. Uh, but then I'm thinking, oh, well, factory farming, which, you know, we're fighting to end is, you know, uh, and use of animals for food is, is causes this suffering um, on a, a large scale. And this is just one one shop. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because we can't as activists be everywhere all of the time and we have to use our time wisely. Um, and we also can be traumatized by these things that we're seeing. So, um, so it's important to take care of yourself and also do things that you enjoy in addition to, you know, and I'm just preaching to the choir here, I'm sure, but, um, <laughs> in addition to, to our activism. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that's where, um, our, our, uh, creativity and our, place position as people who create things um sort of comes into play you know and and i think i'm kind of working this out and feeling a little sense of relief <laughs> and maybe getting a little verklempt as we go but you know like there's there are so many ways to communicate about this this message or any message that that like with a social justice bent um and and 
and music and art is is a way to do it that is well I, I, maybe you I, I should hear from you since you're you're here to tell, talk to me like what <laughs> what uh, how uh, what is the benefit or what is the the what are the perks of using art to communicate these messages I, I feel like it's kind of like what we talked about earlier, the spoons full of sugar and how people are more receptive when something's encased in something that might be, uh, if they like your song, beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think that um, softening the blow in, in a way, um, you know, can help, uh, you know, make people receptive on that end. On the other end of you creating the songs, I think it's a way to to cope for sure and to, you know, uh, feel like you have an avenue or an outlet to um, express your feelings that um, in a way that's that's more productive because I've always said that music is kind of the opposite of war it's all about connecting with another person and other people I think mm-hmm. um, and so uh, so here you, here you are connecting on something that's very important to you and hopefully to others um, so I yeah I think for me that's how music functions yeah agreed um yeah, I, I think I've probably told the story on the podcast before, um, it, because it, w- when I toured with the Animal Show, um, yeah. which has like a pretty, I mean, I, I think it has, it's a, my, it's a, you could say it's my, the story of why I'm vegan, basically. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and the first time I did it out of town was in Houston. Um, and a lot of my friends showed up who weren't vegan. I wasn't vegan yet when I lived in Texas. So there were a lot of people that, ah. that weren't like, on board with the vegan message and it was really it made me nervous and it was a really interesting test of how i was communicating and i think i did okay like because a lot of you know Ah. like people felt i know i think people go to theater and music to to absorb a message or to to be told a message you know so i think that is something that works well for us as uh, musician activists you know but there were they they were able to sort of if not I don't know how many people went vegan there on the spot (laughs) but like (laughs) but a lot of people who I knew and had had a little bit of like uh pushback with me on like Facebook posts about veganism were able to come up to me like I get where you're coming from now like they and that is a relief you know like for people to you know like my favorite takeaway would be for somebody like oh my god I saw your show and I'm vegan now um, but <laughs> barring that, like someone coming up who didn't understand why I was as passionate about it as I am, who was like, oh, I get it. That's a pretty big deal. Right. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's amazing. And I, I feel like that the, the messaging, um, that you're putting out there, um, and that anyone who's, who's doing uh, sort of advocacy and activism, you know, a lot of times it, it's not going to necessarily result in that immediate I am vegan, but it's like one of the things that sort of leads to um, a broader consideration for animals and future actions that that could change. And I think it's, you know, mostly most of the time people's changes are pretty gradual. So you might be meeting people who are ready to change at that moment and go vegan, but others, you know, it'll, it'll be a step toward that. So so I think that's I think that's wonderful. I think that's a, a positive way to think about it, too, because we don't always want to be just playing to, um, you know, people that are already uh, sort of on board. Um, it's nice to have a chance to communicate with those that we're trying to reach. Yeah. And I think that's, what's really great about your music and something that I, I I'm observing, I think, cause I'm looking for examples of people who do that. You, your message is loud and clear, but it's, 
um, it's not your only message. You know, your message about veganism isn't the only thing you're talking about, um, which I would really like to, you know, the next big piece of work I put together is going to be something, you know, with the same similar message. But I want to I want it to be something that's accessible to mm-hmm. a wider audience of people and not just something that people are like, oh, that's the guy that does the vegan shows. Um, so I think you're doing a great job of not being a vegan band while being vegan. If that makes yeah, sense. <laughs> it does. It does. And I, I think that you're, you know, you're speaking about, um, you know, just basically connecting with other people and then having that sort of, again, the spoonful of sugar sort of like, you know, uh, around all of the other stuff. And, and that helps uh, a lot. And I, 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 you know, in the past, I wanted to do another documentary kind of on a broader topic, but that brought in themes of, you know, from uh, veganism and um, animal suffering and things like that, but couching it kind of in something that a lot more people would come to or relate to. Um, so I, I just think in general, that's something that's uh, valuable for us to think about as as advocates um, for animals so that we can kind of bring more people into, um, you know, these some of these ideas um, without alienating anybody. Um, so, yeah, so that's really cool. And I think, yeah, we saw your uh, the one of the earlier renditions of the animal show and it was awesome. It was like when we first moved to New York and you know, oh, yeah, there, and it was so good. Yeah, it was just it was beautiful. And um, so I think that's great. And I think it's cool to have chapters too, you know, like, okay, well that's that chapter. Now I'm moving as an artist, you know, I become more interested in things when I can sort of reinvent or create new things with what we're doing. And, um, so I, I, I think, um, that's always valuable to do to kind of shake off some of the older things and, and start some new, new things. And by abandoning or not abandoning, but sort of putting them aside, um, it allows you, it opens you up to new possibilities. And I was just, I hope I'm not over talking here, but I was just no. thinking about okay, the um, you know, some of our songs are you know 12 years old, 15 years old, and we play them because oh, people like this song, we we need to play it. But you know, sometimes you have to let that go, and and, and it'll allow you to create a new a new thing. Um, so you know, some of our what we like to do is connect with audiences. We have them draw pictures and use that in our set, and t- you know, people love to hear their own thoughts in a song. Uh, you know, so I had a song in particular that did that. And I was like, well, we can't, you know, let that one go. It's like, no, you can. And you just create something else that does a similar thing. Um, but by letting your creations, your little darlings, right? Isn't that the show that you also recommended in your Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Dead darlings, dead darlings, yeah. <laughs> yeah dead darlings, yeah. Um, it really helps you to move on and create more and, um, you know, maybe expand your yourself a little bit, so... That's what I've been trying to do lately. Yes. Uh, I needed this conversation today. (laughs) I I feel like, uh, yeah, like it's really great. Before we we should go to the song and sort of wrap things up, but I want to throw, I'm not sure how I'm going to wind up editing this show, but if you're listening to this part of the show and everything was smooth and seamless, then I was successful in cutting out the fact that this conversation was interrupted three times by someone coming to pick up my couch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so thank you for your patience. Rob wind up having wound up having to head off to work, so that's why he sort of vanished toward the end here. Um, just for the sake of continuity, I'm throwing these things out. <laughs> so where is the best place to find out about the band uh, online? Sure, um, we have a website, belovedbinge.com, and we're also on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Beloved Binge. Um, and that's binge, not bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just that gets mixed up sometimes. Um, so yeah, come say hello. Perfect. And then, uh, the new album is out and it looks like it's available on limited edition vinyl. Am I, 
Is it still? That is correct. Yeah, we have a, a limited uh, supply of vinyl available that we're going to bring in on our mini tour that we're going to North Carolina for a week um, from the 19th to the 25th. So that's going to be fun. Um, but people can buy our digital uh, songs as well. And we have some CDs at shows in addition to the vinyl. Perfect. And is it uh, streaming in all the places as well? Oh, yes. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. It's on Spotify and Bandcamp and iTunes and uh, SoundCloud. Perfect. So go to any of those places to listen to this music, buy an album, buy a CD, go see a show, support independent artists. Um, That's why we're here. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Michael. I really enjoyed talking with you. That was The Fifth by Beloved Binge. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thanks for being on the show, Beloved Binge. And this is the moment where I'm awkwardly going to just transition into talking. I don't know how to make this work. Should I call this a segment? Should I keep doing this? What do you think? The thing that I want to throw out is this concept a friend of mine mentioned to me yesterday. And it really, really 
really is having an effect on how I'm thinking about doing my work. She said, if you do work that you don't like to make money, you keep yourself in a poverty mindset. So for me, that was in relation to like a couple of projects I've had going on and like a couple of different things I've been doing to make money that are actually not worth the mental space they're taking up, if that makes sense. So I find myself like sort of juggling these other items that aren't doing the thing like that. They're bringing in money, yes, but they're taking away from other things that might ultimately make money. Like, for example, keeping this podcast regular, working on my zine, working on the videos I want to release, all these things that could potentially build a fan base that of people that would want to support my work and go over to Patreon and sign on, which isn't the goal of everything. The goal is to be able to create work that I feel has value to put into the world, right? So if I'm like constantly sort of shuffling these other things around, trying to get a little bit of a pittance from them, a needed pittance, maybe it's better for me to get on top of my budgeting, which uh, this is becoming a little too not what I mean, but maybe it's not. Like uh, I've, I've just been aware, and you guys on the podcast, especially if you're patrons, you know that, especially this last year, I've done a lot of like, oh, what's going on? Like trying to get out from under um, feeling um, sort of pinned under procrastination, which to me I think is really fear that what I'm doing that matters to me doesn't matter to anyone else, right? So, and not having, not believing that the work that I feel called to do is really going to be enough. So instead, there are some other things that I do in my life that are pulling away from that and keeping me in this mentality of like, oh, but I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta have this thing happen or I gotta do this other thing or else I'm gonna be broke. Well, I'm already gonna be broke because I'm not doing a great job of budgeting my money. And then things come. Anyway, so that's two separate things. But I really love this idea and it's making me really think about taking risks with my work and maybe clearing the space we have a new year coming up, clearing the space a little bit more and making a little bit more space for me to value my work and treat it like the treat it like my job and see what happens. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> That's my thought. It's a really hopeful thought. It's the thought that like if I dedicate more of my energy to making work and stop worrying so much about you know, making money, the it'll pan out, right? <laughs> and like just trusting that it's going to pan out. You know, uh, and, and I have a couple of steps that I need to do personally for that. One is what I'm doing, spending a lot of time in therapy, like looking at my money behaviors and where they come from and, and, and how to break free of these patterns that keep me potential, perpetually in this state of chaos that I'm constantly trying to fix stuff when I don't need to be feeling like that. Like, everything's okay when I treat it right. <laughs> so there's that, there's that piece of like getting rid of that chaos and then getting rid of the other like clutter and the other, like I work a lot of jobs. I'm a freelancer. So there are a lot of things that I feel like drain away from energy that I wish I could put into my own work and my own stuff. 
oh, what does that mean to you? Does it mean something to you? Let me know. Like, send a recording of yourself talking about it. Let me know you've been listening to this part of it. Or send me an email. You could talk about it on social media, any of the places. I, I really want to talk to people about this because I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> and I think this is like a revolution, right? Like, things. I think of Patreon as a revolution. I, and, and I'm talking about it just as an entity, not as a sales pitch to you or anyone. But I think this is really an interesting energy thing, right? So it's a way like the our society is trying to figure out a way for these creators, and there's a lot of creators now because we're all we all have access to the internet. Not well, I mean, and obviously not everyone has access to the internet. And obviously, like this is a privileged thing I'm saying right now. Like <clears throat> for me to be able to think about like, oh, I don't want to do things I don't want to do for money is super privileged. Like, and I may not even be that privileged. I may come to a point where I'm like, nope, I, I can't afford to to make this space. But I, I think it's interesting seeing things like Patreon and this sort of energy I have in my ugh, my psyche right now. Like, oh, like there's abundance for creativity. Allow it. Ah, that stuff sounds so airy fairy. And I'm really aware I've been thinking a lot about privilege lately. And it's a super privileged thing for me to say, I think. Or is it like, I don't know, like, I really want to examine this more. So anyway, that's my thought for the end of the show. Maybe I can call it that thought for the end of the show. And now here's a thought for the end of the show. Let me know what you think about that. Please go check out Beloved Binge, especially if you love their music. Go to Bandcamp, buy their albums, check them out. Ah, what a great conversation. And um, I've got another good interview for you next week coming right up. All right. Stay tuned and definitely subscribe. And I think that's it. Okay, bye.